Hi, this is Chris Kipp, lead pastor of Renaissance Church in Richmond, Texas. Thank you for streaming or downloading this podcast today. I hope this resource blesses you. If you haven't joined us at a worship gathering or at a house church yet, we want you to come. You can find all that information and more at rin-church.org. I pray that you are encouraged today by the proclamation of God's word. We are going to be in the Christmas story, obviously, as we start to... um, walk through this together. And my aim throughout this series that's called Adore is to awaken the wonder inside of you for King Jesus. This, this term adore is from that lyric from that old come all ye faith where it says, oh, come, let us adore him. And that's our aim together as a church body is that we want to uh, have fresh meaning infused to the Christmas season this year. So um, we are going to begin in Luke 1, if you want to start turning there. And I just want to tell you uh, what we're going to be talking about today. The, the title of my sermon is Humble King. Because as I was thinking about the Christmas story and looking back at how this all transpired, I was struck by the humility of the story of Jesus coming. And so we're going to explore that today as the humble king. And so we're going to read from uh, Luke chapter 1. And we're going to start in verse 26. And if you just read along with me, it says, In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man named Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came to her and said, Greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you. But she was deeply troubled by the statement, wondering what kind of greeting this could be. Then the angel told her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Now listen, you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. Mary asked the angel, how can this be since I have not had sexual relations with a man? The angel replied to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Of God. Consider your relative Elizabeth. Even she has conceived a son in her old age, and this is the sixth month for her who is called childless, for nothing will be impossible with God. This is the word of the Lord. Uh, recently, my, uh, my sons and I got into a show called You Versus Wild, and it's a show uh, put out by Bear Grylls. I don't know if you guys know Bear Grylls' Survivor Man. He's done all kinds of crazy stuff, learning how to survive, and so he's got this new show. It's called You Versus Wild, and in the show, he takes you on an adventure. Right, you go on this journey and you get to these like, you know, dire circumstances. And then he tells you, okay, we could go this way, option A, and then he'll tell you all the pros and cons about that option. And then he says, or we could go this way. And he tells you all the pros and cons of that situation. He looks at the camera and he says, You're in charge, you decide. 
And you have on your remote control, you can pick which way you're gonna go. And if you choose wrong, obviously Bear Girls dies. We don't want that to happen. So we're trying to pick the right option where survivor man will survive. And I was thinking about the humility of the story of Christmas. And if, now this didn't happen and it doesn't happen, but just imagine with me, you're in the throne room of heaven, you're in the boardroom, okay? And God's laying out the situation. He starts telling you about creation, how he made everything good, and about man and woman, how they walked and talked in the garden, how amazing that was. And he talks about the serpent coming in, and then temptation, and then sin, and the fall, and the brokenness. He tells you about how it went from bad to worse. And then he talks about, you know, we, we flooded the earth, and then we started over, and then we gave them the law, and then that really hasn't worked out. It's unable to save them, and I want to rescue the people. I, I want to rescue them. And so here's what I'm thinking. Option A. Jesus here floats down out of the sky. He looks kind of like a person. And he starts teaching and preaching and, and healing. And, and it's going to be amazing. Thousands of people will come out to hear him. And he'll tell them to believe in me. I'm the son of God. And then at the end, he's just going to float away. We're like, wow, that sounds spectacular, right? Sounds amazing. Floating in, floating out, all this amazing stuff. Or, or here's option B. I'm going to pick a Jewish virgin. And Jesus here is going to go and infuse himself into a human embryo. And then he's just going to grow inside of her stomach for nine months. And then he'll be born. And then he'll learn to walk and talk and potty train. He'll learn to read and to write like all the other Jewish boys. And he'll grow up in obscurity for 30 years. Then, finally, he will come forth and he'll preach and teach. And thousands of people will come out to hear him but then they're all going to turn away from him. He'll be left with just a few hundred of his closest followers, and then all of that's going to lead him to die on a cross. But here's the beauty. He's going to raise again, and, and it's going to be told throughout the whole earth. Now, what do you think? A or B? I don't think we would have thought B would be the right option. Right? We, we can picture him hovering down in all the spectacle and all the cool stuff, but there's such an unusual way that God chose for Jesus to come. And so I want to just ask why did Jesus come as a baby? Have you ever thought about that? Like, why did he come like that? Of all the ways that God could have done it, he came like this. Why was that? And. Why such a humble beginning? And what does that mean for us? Well, that first question, why did Jesus have to come as a baby? Well, what we know is that he had to become fully human. I, I want to teach you a couple terms. I want to talk to your brains for a second. The first term is incarnation. Carne, it means flesh. Right? It means meat. If you go to the, the, the Mexican food restaurant and you get carne asada, there's meat in that dish, right? So that means flesh. And so incarnation means in fleshing, 
of God, that God in flesh. John in his gospel, at chapter one, he says, in the beginning was the word, capital W, word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. And then he came to his creation. His creation did not recognize him. He says, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. So Jesus came as a baby to take on flesh, to become fully man. The second term is this term. It's a theological term. It's hypostatic union. Hypo what? Hypostatic union. Union. Now, if you want to sound really smart this Christmas, when your family looks at you, because maybe you're the spiritual one in your family, you're like, could you pray for the meal? This happens to me. I'm a pastor. So this happens to me everywhere. Pastor, could you pray for the meal? And here's what you do. Man, they're going to think you're awesome. You close your eyes and you say, Father, thank you for the hypostatic union. Just as so much love went into this meal today, the king of love came in to human form. Oh, they're going to think you are like Jesus Jr., right? Super theological, super smart. You, you can use that this year. You don't even have to give me credit, okay? Hypostatic union. It means that he was fully God and fully man. Mary doesn't understand it. I mean, if you saw in verse 34, Mary asked the angel, how can this be? I, I've not had sexual relations with a man. The angel replied to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Fully God, fully man. Lowercase s, son, you will have a son, lowercase s, and he will be called the son, capital S. Fully God and fully man. Now, this is an incredible mystery. I, I think about my, uh, my laptop, right? I, I know that it has components. It's got a keyboard, and it's got a mouse, and it's got a hard drive, and it's got all that stuff in there. And I know it's in there, but I don't know how all that works. I don't know why like, everything works the way that it works, but I know that it works. And it's like this with fully God, fully man. We, we can't wrap our minds around the mystery of how. How does that work? But we know that it works. Jesus was fully God and fully man. And this mystery has given rise to several heresies throughout church history. One was that he wasn't fully God while he was here. He kind of put God thing on the shelf and he became fully man and then he wasn't really God while he was here. Or the other side was, well, he wasn't really human. He was God, but he was, he was just a little bit human, but not really human. But the scriptures teach us that he was both. And out of this, um, a phrase was created to help us understand is that remaining what he was, he became what he was not. Remaining what he was, which was fully God, he became what he was not, and that he became human, flesh. Wayne Grudem, who's a fantastic thinker, writer, he uh, wrote a systematic theology, if you're ever looking for one of these, 
It's fantastic. Wayne Grudem's Systematic Theology. I just want to read this quote. It says, It is by far the most amazing miracle of the entire Bible, far more amazing than the resurrection and more amazing even than the creation of the universe. The fact that the infinite, omnipotent, eternal Son of God would become man and join himself to a human nature forever. So that infinite God became one person with finite men will remain for eternity the most profound miracle and the most profound mystery in all the universe. It's, it's mind-blowing, the mystery of this. But it also shows us not just profound mystery, but it also displays incredible Humility. I want to read from Philippians chapter 2, and I just want you to hear the words of the Apostle Paul. He tells them in, in Philippi to adopt the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus, get this, who existing in the form of God did not consider equality with God as something to be exploited. Instead, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a servant, taking on the likeness of humanity. And when he had come as a man, he humbled himself. Wow. Jesus humbling himself to take on human form. I mean, think about the story Right, here's Mary, who, who's, who she's not a royal, she's not a princess, she's not a queen, she's just a girl in Nazareth, of all places, which was, uh, if you read further in Jesus' ministry, when he's calling his first disciples, and one of them tells another one, hey, we found the Messiah, Jesus of Nazareth, and the guy looks at him and says, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Meaning, that's a podunk town, like, does anything good come out of there? And you know the rest of the story of the birth of Jesus, how there's no room in the inn, and he's born in a barn, and he's wrapped in swaddling clothes, and he's laid in a feeding trough. It's a humble story. And this would be humbling for us, but I don't think we can fathom what it meant for the God of all gods to step into human form. We can't wrap our minds around the humility displayed. So Jesus had to come as a baby because he had to be fully human. But why does Jesus need to be fully human? Like, what's that about? Well, he had to humble himself to save us. Here's what I mean. He needed, as a fully human being, to obey where you and I have disobeyed. That's called representative obedience. He had to obey where we have disobeyed. Because he was born of a virgin, which we just read, meant that there was no um, inherited sin nature from a earthly father. So he's fully human, yet he has a sinless nature. He's able to obey perfectly. And why is that important? That's because he would go on to become our substitute sacrifice. You see, in the Old Testament, 
everything had to be cleansed with blood. If you read the, the temple sacrifices and how that worked, everything had to be cleansed with blood. In fact, there was no forgiveness of sins without the shedding of blood. And so your family would sin because you're human beings and you would have to take a, a, an animal to the priest and there would be a ceremony where all that sin of your family would go upon that animal and you would stand there and you would watch the priest kill the animal, slitting its neck and you'd see the blood everywhere. I mean, it was a gory scene to have forgiveness. The problem was you would leave and then your kid would lie to you or something else would happen. And you're like, oh my gosh, we got to go back. Let's get another animal, right? So you have to come back over and over again, bringing sacrifices. So God, in some mega sacrifice, decides, here's the solution. I'll do it. I'll do it. I will become the sacrifice of all sacrifices and I will obey perfectly so that I can substitute myself on their behalf. He humbles himself to pay for all sins past, present, future. We were... Um, a couple years ago, we were at one of our festivals here in town. I don't know if y'all went to the pecan festival that they had last week. It was fantastic. And they have a thing called a historical hayride. And so we get on the tractor and we're riding the hayride around the town. And they're telling us about all the different buildings and houses and things. And we get around by the river and they start explaining the, the bridge over the Brazos. Now, apparently they tried all kinds of stuff to, to, to make a bridge. I mean, they, they had like one contraption that was kind of, they said it was like a slingshotty kind of thing. And so you'd have to get like enough speed and all this kind of stuff to get across the, the river. They had another like kind of wooden thing. And the, of course, the water just wiped it out and nothing could really maintain a bridge there until a new technology was developed to where they get the piers down deep enough into that riverbed and they could actually make a bridge. And so Jesus had to become the bridge for us. And to do that, he had to be fully human. He had to represent us perfectly, obeying perfectly, to substitute himself for us, and then to become that thing which nothing else could connect us between ourselves and God. The law couldn't do it. We've tried that. We, we've tried having our, our good works outweigh our bad works, and maybe we could tip the scales, but that didn't work. Some of us have tried not caring anymore, but then there's that thing inside of us that's like, ah, I don't want to care, but I still care because there's something missing in my life. I, only Jesus could bridge the gap between ourselves and God. And so we had to be fully human to do these things for us. He's the, new, he's the new technology that actually bridged the gap. So what does this mean for us, this humility of God, this humble king? What does Jesus' humility mean for me? Well, the first thing that I think it means for us is that God really is 
good. God really is good. Right? God concocts a plan where he himself is going to step in to our shoes, into our situation. He's going to pay the price that we didn't want to pay for ourselves. We couldn't pay for ourselves. And he's going to bear all the wrath of God on our behalf. That's crazy. Right, we just sang about that amazing love. How can it be that you, my king, would die for me? Like, that doesn't make sense. There's no king on earth who uses his power like that. Nobody. But yet our God concocts a plan that is so humble and so good. He is really The second thing that this means for us is that salvation doesn't depend on human effort. Can I get an amen out there? Isn't that awesome? Salvation does not depend on human effort. (sighs) Just let all the religious stuff just fall off of you as I say that. Okay, that is such good news. It doesn't depend on me. And it doesn't depend on you. And it didn't depend on Mary. It wasn't her plan. It wasn't her idea. <laughs> she didn't, you know, she didn't have an oops child with Joseph and then like God came into that. No, it, none of this was her plan. She was just being a girl and God steps in, sends an angel, tells her, here's what's going to happen. You see, God initiates the entire thing. It was his idea. I mean, imagine how tough a road that would be for her. She she never would have wished that upon herself. I mean, imagine all the ladies in in her little community whispering like, she's pregnant already, not married yet, right? Imagine her living most of her mothering life on the run because her child is, there are kings trying to kill her child. So she's fleeing from place to place with Jesus. Imagine seeing your child march to a hill and crucified on a Roman cross. She never would have chosen this plane. It wasn't her idea. It was God's idea. And it tells us that salvation, it doesn't depend on us. And that's really good news. Back in the early days of the telephone, um, you would you'd pick up your phone at your home and you would wait for an operator to pick up and they would have a switchboard and they would be a switchboard operator and they would have a bunch of cables and, and lines everywhere and you would, she'd ask you, who would you like to speak with, right? You would say, you know, there are only a, a few people in the town. You're like, oh, the Smith house, please. And she would take a line and connect it from, from your line to the Smith line, right? Their phone would ring, they'd pick up, and you could have this conversation. Now, just imagine a sick day for the switchboard operator, right? Nobody's talking to anyone. No operator, no connection. If you imagine, if Jesus had not come like this, and we were to pick up the phone, I'd like to talk to God. And there's no one to make that connection. Jesus 
makes the connection for us because salvation doesn't depend on us. The, the third thing that I think this means for us is that he knows what it feels like when fill in the blank. He knows what it feels like when fill in the blank. When you think about Christmas time and you're looking at your bank account and you're like, I don't think there's enough money for this. He knows what that's like. When you feel rejected, Jesus, being fully human, knows what that is like. When you feel alone, the fully human Jesus knows what that's like. When you feel sad, he knows. When you feel really, really hurt, he knows what that's like. When you feel really angry and you feel really weary, when you have people walk away from you, when you feel sick, he knows what it's like to have his best friend die. The humility of God stepping into human form means that he knows what it feels like when Hebrews 4, 15 through 16 says, for we do not have a high priest who's unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in every way as we are, yet without sin. Therefore, let us approach the throne of grace with boldness so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in time of need. Jesus, he came all the way down. Not like kind of, not like a tiptoe into humanity. He comes fully into humanity. And he knows what it feels like when. Lastly, I'm going to close with something a little bit fresh. I, uh, I, I made the mistake of going to uh, the grocery store on Wednesday night. I don't know if, if y'all went to the grocery store on Wednesday Oh, it was a bad idea, right? I, I'm, I needed like two things, and I'm doing my best to be like the, the grocery store Jedi. Like I'm walking fast, I'm ducking, I'm like trying to get around the crowds of people, and I'm just kind of like observing what's going on. And I hear in the aisle next to me a, a wife who's, who's kind of yelling loudly to her husband, Scott, keep that cart in the aisle. I can't put things inside of it if you, if you walk away, right? I'm like, oh, gosh, a little, a little tense over there. I turn the corner, and there's a, a dad, and he's got a little one in the cart right there, and there's a mom. She's also got a cart with another little one right there, and he's like, all I wanted was blah, 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 blah. And she's like, all I wanted, and it's just like this fight breaking out in the aisle, and I'm like, whoa, it's like getting tense in here. So I... Again, continue my Jedi move, and I get my stuff, and I get out of there right, as fast as I can because it's getting a little hairy down at the HUB. Well, yesterday, Casey is running some errands, and she uh, had to go to Target. It's her happy place. She loves Target. It's like, it's like the, the, you know, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Like, that's like, ha that's heaven for her. It's like she loves 
Target and she's pushing a cart into Target and, and she looks over and there are two grown men, probably my age. There's one that has a wife and children and they are rolling in the middle of the aisle and they're beating each other up. For real. The kids are crying like, Dad, stop, please stop. The wives are crying like, please stop. Target employees are like trying to figure out like, how do we like, how do we, you know, get this situation taken care of? And these grown men are like beating each other's faces in on the floor of Target. I was thinking about that. That I think there's just this anger that lives right under the surface. And I'm not like a, a holier than thou, like, oh gosh, those guys are so dumb, right? No, I feel that. When you're out in public and you're like, how dare you pull out in front of me? Right? How dare you step in front of me? How dare you act put out with me? How dare, how dare you, right? You feel that? <laughs> I feel that. And I was thinking about the humility Jesus. There's something in us that wants to cling to our rights. Right? How dare you? But the, the one who had the right to bow up was God. Humanity rebels against him. He creates this amazing world and they rebel against him and he has every right to bow up and to get mad and to, and to you know, show us his power. And so what he does to show us his power is that he chooses this Jewish virgin. And he lays aside his rights. He empties himself. And he walks in our shoes. I think what, what the humility of our king means for us is that we, too, can lay down our rights. That when we go through life and we feel like people are violating our rights, we can say, you know what? That's all right. right? I don't have to bow up. I can actually step down and be like, that's, that's okay. It's okay. My king set aside his rights for my good. I can lay aside my rights for your good. I can step down. It's a beautiful thing. So, God really is good. Salvation doesn't depend on me. He knows what it feels like when. And I can step down. Jesus' humility is the mystery that had to be in order to rescue me. Oh, come, let us adore him. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Renaissance Church Sermon Podcast. To contact us or find out more information, visit rin-church.org.